Hey, Spotlighters, Mike Cam here, the coolest guy in title insurance and your host of the Morning Spotlight Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have a great guest that I know is going to absolutely blow you away. If you like what you hear, please smash that subscribe button and leave us a review. And remember, when it's time for you to purchase title insurance, there's only one guy you should be calling, and that's me. Check the show notes for my email address. And let's get this train rolling and start the show right now. Good morning and welcome to the Morning Spotlight Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Cam, coming to you as always from the Spotlight Studios here in Morristown, New Jersey. Our guest today is the owner, social media strategist, and coach at Next Step Social Communications, a social media agency based out of Littleton, Colorado. She's been helping small businesses, real estate agents, construction companies, and home builders with their social media for over 15 years. She specializes in coaching entrepreneurs on how social media can be an incredible tool to help find new leads, build community, grow sales, and bring the social back to their social media. She is Katie Brinkley. Katie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. It's great. I mean, I know we met once on Zoom before, but it's always great to take like these clubhouse voices and put a face to the voice. Because like, I mean, I hear so many different voices. Some faces I feel like fit the voice, some don't. I think you're, you know, you fit. So that's great. Um, so I'm excited because I mean, I know a lot of the stuff that you're doing on Clubhouse and we might actually kick off the conversation with Clubhouse, but I know you're doing a lot of stuff on Clubhouse and all the stuff that you're doing is so great. Um, so what, let's talk about that a little bit, just because that's how we met. So talk to me about Clubhouse and how you've been using Clubhouse to help grow your business. Yeah, Clubhouse has been a complete game changer for me. So just a little bit of a background. I know you you gave me quite the intro there, so thank you. But um, I've been doing social media for, for over 15 years now. And whenever I say that, people are like, well, wait a second, 15, has social media been around that long? And yep, it has. I started back in the MySpace days. So that's when I got started in social media. Um, but I, I didn't, I mean, like being a social media person, like wasn't a thing. So I went to school to be a reporter. And that's what I got a job doing right out of college. I was a sports reporter here in Denver. And so my background is in radio. So the fact that there is a basically a live radio social media network um, that directly connects to other social media networks, it has been perfect for me because again, like I said, the background in radio, I have podcasts and then social media. It's it's really been a game changer for me and my business. And um, I've kind of gone all in on, on clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't know if I would say that I've gone all in. I mean, I'm, I'm a clubhouse fan. Like I think it's really helped me grow personally, like whether it's my social media following, because like when I started on clubhouse and I had never put that much time and effort into my Instagram page for the podcast. And that was something that I probably should have done, but I think I had like a hundred Instagram followers uh, when I first got on clubhouse and I've been on for maybe like five or six weeks. I'm now at like 430, I think. So I've just like kind of popped a little bit and I, in turn that's helped grow the show itself. So I'm, I'm all for clubhouse. I just don't spend, you know, 45 hours a week on it. Like some other people do, but um, yeah. I'm at like, I'm averaging like 15 hours a week, which I think is right in my sweet spot. You know what I mean? For sure. I, I mean, like I definitely, when I first got on, like, okay. So um, I joined like mid December, but I really didn't understand it. I was like, man, that seems like a giant time suck. I don't, I don't really know how to use it. So I'm just not going to even open up the app. And all I'm doing is getting bombarded with notifications. So I didn't really dive into the app until after the first of the year. So I started around like January 3rd um, and started listening to rooms and it was a couple of days before I raised my hand in my first room, but you have to time block clubhouse into your day. I mean, otherwise for real, it, it, it will suck up your entire life. Cause an hour will go by like that with clubhouse. There's, I don't think that the platform would be so successful if we haven't, if we hadn't been in a pandemic and craving yeah. hearing new voices for the past year. Right. Um, it's, that's why I think people, people are like, I could talk to someone new and, and have a discussion with somebody. This is fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's really the perfect app at the perfect time um, after 
everyone being in their own little bubble for the past, you know, 11 months. Right. That's the other thing too. Like, I just think, I mean, we're, I mean, we're just kind of going down a clubhouse rabbit hole right now. We're going to get to all the stuff that you came on here to talk about, I promise. But um, that's like the one thing that I do think is going to be interesting to kind of see what happens as we progress into like, you know, like as people, as more people get vaccinated and as we, you know, the summer comes and more people are able to get outside and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I do think it's going to be interesting to kind of see like how an app like Clubhouse and now all these other apps that are coming out that are going to try to like take down Clubhouse because they're like the same basic thing for, you know, like the Mark Cuban one and the Facebook one and all these other ones. Um, but I just think it's gonna be so interesting to kind of see like how that changes the way that the whole setup is now. Um, but it's gonna be interesting, but you on clubhouse, I mean, you're like, I, every time I open up Instagram, I see Katie Brinkley's hosting a clubhouse room. Every time I go on clubhouse, it's like, I get pinged Katie Brinkley opened up a room. Um, but like you, you talk about a lot of different stuff and you basically talk for like from, you know, how to utilize clubhouse to your best, uh, you know, utilize clubhouse the best way possible all the way through like actual social media communication. So take us through like some of the stuff that you actually, the content that you're putting on clubhouse. Yeah, the, the, yeah, I, I host a lot of rooms, and um, it, the thing about it is that I can host a, in Clubhouse is that you can host a room on a bunch of different topics. You don't need to host the same type of room every week. You know, it can it can change. So I did a lot of testing to see like which kind of rooms people really enjoyed being a part of and would raise their hands in and be have questions and want to have a discussion on. And you know, like you said, I talk about everything from podcasting and how to market your podcast to, uh, you know, how to host a room on Clubhouse to different social media trends for 2021. So, I mean, just everything that I already have been talking about um, on my podcast and then podcasts that I guest on, I've been transforming into rooms that I can host because I'm used to talking on that topic. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where if you have something that you're confident in speaking on, it's, it's a, fantastic opportunity to do it. And it, you might be like, well, I don't know if anyone will want to come listen, but you'd be surprised. There's, there's over at the time of this recording, there's so many people that are on clubhouse that, um, that we were at 600,000 in December and we're at over 10 million now. Yeah. I mean, like how much it's it's, popped. It's totally popped and yeah. you're, you're bound to find somebody that has a similar interest as you, but that's where the importance of a title is so um, important. Having yeah. a great title is so important. Right. Um, yeah. The importance <laughs> is important. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So obviously because we're taking this in a very chronological order, because that's how this show is, we're very structured on the morning spotlight. I don't know if you picked that up on that yet. Um, the one thing, not one thing, let's talk about the background because you mentioned in your, you know, little quick bio after the bio, the bio after the bio that I read um, about the sports reporting. Um, so Talk, talk to me about that. I'm a sports guy, coach college baseball, played college baseball, like baseball, like all sports really. Um, but talk to us about, talk to us about that. Like what was that experience like? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a sports nut. I was always a, a Tom girl, tomboy growing up. And I played just about every single sport that I could play. Uh, I wanted to play hockey, but my mom wouldn't let me. So I did figure skating. I mean, like, so anything that I could do that was um, a sport, I would, I did it. And uh, I grew up watching football. I mean, my dad wasn't a huge like football nut. It's not like he coached it or anything, but I mean, we'd watch the Broncos for Endeavor. So we'd watch the Broncos every Sunday, but I mean, that was about it. Red zone wasn't around and um, that the avalanche came in, in 19, you know, 96. So, I mean, they weren't really around when I was super young, but I grew up watching sports and playing sports and, in Denver, there was a sports reporter. Uh, my dad listened to a lot of talk radio in the car. Um, so I played softball, sent competitive softball from age 11 through 18. And we would travel all over the state. And I got stuck in, in the back of his truck listening to talk radio all the time. And um, one of the stations we would listen to was a sports station. And they had a girl that would come on in the afternoon show. And her name is Susie Wargen. And she would come on and she was the sports chick. And she would come on and just kind of give like, updates of all the teams and everything. And I just thought it was so cool to hear a woman talking about NFL, baseball. I mean, like talking about these 
men's sports and she was considered an equal. And um, because I loved those sports too. I mean, like I couldn't play football, but I loved watching it. And it was really nice to be able to hear a female perspective. Um, again, there weren't a lot of Aaron Andrews or, or anything like that on the sidelines. It was yeah. typically all men playing and men reporting. And so I just wanted to really be, I wanted to be the next Susie Wargen. I wanted to be a female voice talking about men's sports. And that's what I went to school for. Um, and I got a job at the same radio station that Susie was at. And she was actually one of my mentors right when I got hired. So I mean, like she was the one that hired me. So it was a, a really fantastic opportunity. And um, it was, it was how I, but that was everything that I wanted to do. Um, it was right when satellite radio came out and there was kind of a, a big panic throughout the radio industry. When satellite came out, like, Oh my gosh, is this the end? Who's going to want to listen to local you know, radio with all these, you know, sports or satellite stations coming out and you don't need to listen to commercials. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people were kind of jumping ship and uh, I was like, man, maybe I should too. And so I tried finding another job in a smaller market where I could get more airtime. And in the meantime, um, I went down a, a, another rabbit hole of a path and um, I started, I became a flight attendant and then uh, was doing social media on the side for local businesses. So I was flying on weekends. And then during the week, I was helping local businesses here in Denver with their just get up on Facebook, get a Facebook page, and I would get like coffee in return. And so I mean, it, it really just kind of was a, oh, I'll do this for you if you, you know, give yeah. me some of your product. So right. it was yeah. a weird shift from being a reporter to uh, social media, but it was something that I had been doing since college. And I understood quickly and understood the importance of it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, just as a quick sidebar question. So your mentor, Susie, that you were like, grew up basically like idolizing, I would guess. What was mm -hmm. that like to make, to make that jump into like now being a colleague of hers and like working side by side? Cause I feel like, you know, you always hear like different stories of people that like meet their heroes or whatever. And some are good stories and some are terrible stories. Um, so this sounds like it was a good story. It, it was a good story. She was absolutely a phenomenal person to, to be a mentor. Um, when I, like I said, went to the interview and she was the person that was interviewing me. I was like, oh my God, I can't Was there like a fan, like a fangirl moment uh, at one point? Yeah, yeah I, I think I kept, I think I kept my cool, but um, I <laughs> right. definitely was so excited that, you know, she was the one that was interviewing me and I'd be working directly with her. And um, honestly, like she and I like still keep in touch. Like she's, She's left the the radio. Well, she's actually back in radio, but she went on to television and she was part of TV for a while. And now she is the sideline reporter for the Broncos again. Okay, um, cool. So she's back in radio. But again, it's it's one of those things where it's it's so nice that I was able to work under her. I, you know, looking back on it, everything happens for a reason. But I was like, man, I really should have stuck with the reporting thing for a little bit longer and not panicked um, as much as I did. But it was it was a fantastic opportunity. I loved everyone that was there and I learned a lot um, in the three years that I was there, but she was, it was phenomenal having her as uh, my, my mentor and, and colleague and being able to work with somebody that I grew up listening to. Yeah. All right. We're going to keep on this timeline train, right? So now we, you're out of reporting, you're a flight attendant, you're doing the social media stuff. Um, at what point doing the social media stuff, do you realize that maybe you have uh, a good grasp on it. And then you want to make that like, you know, your business, like turn that into like your, you know, uh, bread, uh, you know, moneymaker, whatever. I'm trying to think of yeah. the right word. I'm a great yeah. podcaster as you could, as you could tell. <laughs> so at what so, point do you make that like your, your business? You're going to like take that next jump into just doing it on the side and getting like some coffee on the side to making money doing it. Yeah. So the, the thing about it was that I, like I said, I went to school and I was planning on being a journalist and, um, the, the weird, uh, you know, shift over into being a flight attendant. You know, I, the, the whole reason I even applied was because my friend was like, Hey, you should be a flight attendant. And I was like, no, I'm going to be a sports reporter. I'm just trying to find my next position. And she was like, well, just go and practice, you know, go and apply. And I was like, Oh, you're right. It is good to interview. It's always good to interview. Yeah. And I got hired. Um, and so I was doing the social media stuff on the side and um, I finally was able to find a job back in the sports world. I, I unfortunately, I took too long of a break that I lost a lot of connections in the radio and reporting world. So I was a flight attendant for just a little bit too long and was just kind of 
being in my 20s, enjoying seeing the country and the world. And, um, you know, we didn't have kids at the time. So it was, it was honestly, it was a fantastic job to have when I was in my 20s. Um, but I didn't really know what the next path was. I knew I still loved sports. Um, I really wanted to get back into media. And I, I got a job as a marketing manager for the Colorado Rockies television station. So there is where I was able to use my two of my past skills of script writing and social media. So I was in charge of all the social media for the station and I was writing scripts and doing media buys. And honestly, I thought it was my new dream job. I mean, I had, was a reporter. This is the next best thing because I get to marry the two and you know, I'm, not, I'm behind the camera now, but I still have a, you know, access to sports. I still have access to social media. Um, and it was, it was a fantastic job to have. Right. So then uh, when do you make the jump doing next step social? Like when does that come, come around? Is that obviously later on, but we'll, we'll, let's get to that. Yeah. Um, It happened when I got laid off. So I got laid off from my, my dream job. I was devastated. Um, Unfortunately, the station was owned by DirecTV. And when AT&T and DirecTV merged, it's been a while now, but when they merged, Unfortunately, there's two giant companies, and it doesn't matter that I really wasn't in the direct TV side of things. I was a marketing manager at a television station. It's really kind of like a weird little one-off thing that direct TV owned us. Yeah. Um, but AT&T saw that and were like, why do we have all these marketing people in all these different regions? That's dumb. You know? right. And the marketing department went from four people down to one just like that. And yep. so um, it was the marketing director, marketing manager, marketing supervisor and marketing coordinator. So me and the other two girls uh, both were let go. And it was kind of, I mean, total shock. I I had no idea that it was coming um, and I was devastated. And um, I was like, oh my gosh, now what? Now what am I going to do? And uh, then I found out I was pregnant. So it's like literally like all the stuff is happening all at once. Yeah. Life changes one right after another. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Exactly. Let's just put it all into one week. I should buy a house too. Right. Right. Why not? And and get a dog. Yeah. Yeah, Honestly, (laughs) why would you want to spread it, spread all that stuff out over several years? You should just cram it into one weekend, basically get it all out of the way and then kind of go from there. It's that's that. I mean, to me, that sounds great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Just do it all at one time. You know, (laughs) it's not stressful at all. Um, But yeah, so I, I was laid off and then I found out I was pregnant and I was like, well, God, now who's going to want to hire me? And then have me say, okay, well, I'm going to be going on maternity leave. So um, I had, I was given the opportunity to kind of sit back and think, okay, so now what, what should, what is the next step? And I was like, well, you know, I, I love social media. I have been again, doing it. Um, I started doing it for free for, for bands back, you know, in college and for MySpace. And then I've been helping local businesses uh, do it uh, on, on Facebook and, and Twitter. And now this new thing, Instagram, you know, and then I've seen the corporate side of, of doing social media too. And like all the approval processes and having to, you know, so I saw like all the different ways of having to, to do it and how it had evolved, you know, and all the new platforms that have come out. And so I was like, well, what if I just try and do my own thing? And I did. Um, so I, I got my first client and she is still with me today. Um, and then I got another and then I got another. And before I knew it, I was I had enough clients that I was making more than I was at, at my dream job at the, you know, at the television station or at the radio station. Right. And I was at home with my family. I was able to work the hours I wanted to. I was able to you know work from anywhere. And I was doing something I was extremely passionate about. Um, I, I always feel weird saying that, but I really am passionate about social media and the ways that it can change your business. Um, when done the right way, again, like I said, I started with bands and just in in MySpace and getting them out onto radio stations. And the only reason I did that was because I wanted free tickets to their shows. And so the fact that, you know, you can, and I saw how quickly things can happen if you know how to use it the right way. And so that's where I love social media. I, I do think it has an, a bit of an ugly head too, unfortunately. But if you do use it the right way as for a business, you can see incredible results happen. And um, now there's another social media platform for me to use like Clubhouse. Right. And it's uh, there's always something new. And, and this one is just the latest. Yeah, right. Um, so 
when you start a marketing business, marketing company, and you get your first client, do you go into it? And this is just because I don't really know much about setting a company like that up. Do you go into it with a idea of like what type of businesses you're going to work with? Is there like a, you know, because I know you said you talked about the bands and you have a background in sports um, and we're going to get into like the real estate stuff because that's ultimately, you know, eventually we're going to get into it because that's ultimately why you came on the show. Um, but, uh, but do you go into it with a mindset of like, Hey, these are the types of companies, these are the types of businesses, people, whatever it is that I'm going to try to target. Yeah. So when I first started, it was, it really was just, just about any small business that needed help with their social media and it was, it was any small business because a lot of the small business owners realize like, yeah, I should be on social media, but they don't know how to do it or like what all is entitled. And so they, there's no strategy behind it. There's no consistency and uh, the messaging is all in. And I mean, like you can tell which ones are, are posting themselves and it's just seen as like, I need to do this, but I really don't want to. Yeah. And um, so I, that's how it started. But then again, I, I found, I had my very first client who's still with me and she, uh, is with home builders. So she helps uh, a number of home builders in California. And uh, there's a lot of restrictions about being a realtor or a home builder um, for doing Facebook ads. And I learned all those restrictions and how to get uh, to maximize your results on it. So those were some of the ones that like I was, I could then put on my resume saying like, I can help, you know, people in the home industry with their ads because I understand how to maximize results for this industry, which is pretty difficult because you, you can't discriminate. Right. Okay, cool. So um, t- talk to me about like the types of real estate clients. I know you just mentioned it, but the types of real estate clients that you work with, um, just because like, I think that that's, that's like, kind of how I want to segue into my next little, you know, thing. So I know you, I know you said some of it, but can you say it again? <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So I, I told, I did say some of it. So that was how I first got my first clients for, for doing the social media for them and doing their ads. Um, 2020 was kind of a crazy year. I don't yeah. know. Um, yes. Yeah, so I don't know where you are, but yeah, it was kind New of crazy Jersey. for us. It yeah, was yeah, like yeah, so I mean, in like, March, it was, it was basically like, yeah, March, yeah. it was basically like, Hey, we're shut down for months. So that's, kinda, yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how it was for, I feel like just about everywhere. And a lot of the people that I, so I still do a lot of networking. Uh, I do it on LinkedIn and I was still networking a lot on LinkedIn. And I was finding that a lot of people were asking questions and saying like, you know, I would just love to learn how to do social media for my own business. And so all those people that I was connecting with, I was like, well, I can teach you. So that's where my coaching transitioned in. And that's where helping the realtors has really come uh, full circle just in this past year of, of teaching them 15 years worth of doing social media and the different best practices. And I offer the, the training and coaching for, for realtors because, again, there's, there's companies that you can pay to do your social media. And there's some that are very affordable, as low as like $200 a month. But as a realtor you are the brand. And as much as you don't want to be, people could choose just about anyone to buy a house from. Right. The reason that they choose to buy a house from you is because of you. And yeah. um, so that's kind of what I teach. And, and um, that what has come up about in, in 2020 was, was this kind of pivot from doing the social media for people into teaching them how to do it themselves the right way. Yeah. Are, are your clients uh, local to you? Are they national type clients? Uh, who do you, where, where are they? Yeah. So the, the, all the clients surprisingly that I do the social media for like create the done for you are in California. Um, and then my clients for the coaching are everywhere. Um, okay. that's the power, that's the power of zoom. And we've been able to it the, do zoom calls and I, I, you know, you can do a screen share and, and they can screen share with me. And, uh, it really makes it easy to, to learn because social media is you know, it's all online. So it, it really is not too much of a, of a pivot for me to have to do it all online. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's stick with like the realtor segment of your, of your business. Um, and thank you for giving a good answer to that terrible question that I, that I asked, um, the, the repeat question, but, um, so last year, like you mentioned, 2020 was obviously a, a year where, you know, 
like the, the world went to hell and everybody kind of had to figure out how to market. So I sell title insurance. So I am in the real estate world and there aren't a lot of title people doing podcasts or doing the type of social media like outreach that I do. Um, but I do see a lot of realtors putting stuff out there. And I do think that in 2020, because of everything that was going on, there was such a uh, emphasis on putting stuff out on social media, whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, which then created a lot of noise on those platforms. So if you're a realtor and you're, you know, maybe like just trying to figure out how to go about using social media during 2020, like how do you cut through that noise uh, doing what you do? So this is one of the things that I think that there's a lot of um, misinformation out there about how much to post on social media and what to post on social media. And it can be overwhelming. And what I like to, to teach is don't just be white noise. Um, make sure that you're showing up authentically and that every post when it falls into the feed, someone instantly knows it's from you. And then they want to click those little dot, 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 see more. They want to see what the full caption is because every time that you publish something, it is something of value and something that you're going to walk the, the person who's going to engage with it, enjoy seeing, and they're, that's going to keep you. Maybe they don't need to buy a house from you right now, but that they're going to refer you to their friends because they know every single time you post something, it's something valuable and they learn something or they connect with you deeper. So it, it is hard because there's people out there that, that are able to post 10, 20 times a day. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't have a team of like 50 helping me repurpose one piece of content. And so that's really what I try to kind of teach is to create quality content over quantity. And that right. um, when you do show up, it's something exactly that your audience wants to see. Right. So if you're, let's just say I'm a realtor and what are the channels that like the social media channels that I need to be on? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Where, where do I need to be? So I think that as a realtor, uh, Instagram is a fantastic spot to be. Um, and the thing is, it's it's connected to Facebook. So you can easily, you know, go back and forth between the two. But I highly recommend that everybody, whether or not you're posting to Facebook, you have a Facebook page set up and you have a, biz, a Facebook business manager set up. And the reason behind that is so that you can do ads whether it's on Facebook or if it's an ad just on Instagram, yes, you can boost a post um, directly through the Instagram platform, but you're really missing out on how to do ads the right way and all the reach and all the different options behind an ad if you don't have Facebook Business Manager. So I think that if you want to go ahead and just create the Facebook page, that's fine. If you're only going to choose one social media channel to go all in on, I think Instagram is a fantastic spot to do so because it is so visual and there's, there's five different ways to post on Instagram guys. I mean, there's, there's more than just the feed and that's where, you know, if you show up through stories or reels or IGTV or IG live or, you know, or just the feed, if you show up in one of those different ways of the posting on Instagram on a consistent basis, people are going to consume what you're putting out um, the way that best fits them. And so that's where I think the Instagram is, is just really, if you only have time for one as a realtor, I think that Instagram is a fantastic spot to start. And so these, these things that you're posting, whether, I mean, I know IG live, like you'll actually have to get on there and talk about something, um, you know, and then like reels and, and all that other stuff, but is, so it has to go beyond just like, just posting a picture of a listing, obviously. Right. Because <sighs> like, you know, I feel like I see that all the time. Like I follow because I'm in title insurance and because I do some work with realtors. I mean, I do follow some realtors and I just like all they post are listings like, Hey, check out this listing in blank New Jersey. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't care, you know, but yeah. um, is there, do you think that there's an importance? Like, I know you said it before about like, you're the brand. If you're a realtor, is there an importance to put stuff out about yourself? Like getting, so people get to know you, the person more so than just like, Hey, I have these 10 listings. Do you want to buy them? Yeah, I think that that is a fantastic question. And one of the things that I like to teach is to have the realtor, like my realtor coach, coaching clients is be the mayor of your town. So that way um, people will think, you know, they think Littleton, which is where I am. Yep. They instantly think Katie. And that's what, you know, like whether it's me out walking, if I have a list, a brand new listing, go and show the walkability score, go and take a walk from that new listing to how close it is to the local Starbucks or the, the local store or, or the local dog park. 
go on a walk and that's where you can showcase your listing, but still show you as well. And some of the features of your listing, there's a number of ways to, to show up instead of just having a picture of a just listed. Absolutely. Those just listed are great, but the second that the house sells, it's gone. And I mean, I don't, depending on where you live in the United States, I mean, I think that the average length of time a house sits on the market here in Denver, because it's crazy here right now is 11 days. Yeah. And so your post, you're, essentially, you really should be archiving that Instagram post after it's sold because it's no longer just listed. Right. So how can you repurpose something and showcase a feature of it or showcase the fact that you're a realtor and these are some of the houses that you typically work with? And it's through video and it's through finding unique ways of posting that content. Right. Yeah. Like I hear in New Jersey, especially over the summer last year, like I'm in more Western New Jersey. So further away from like New York city, Hoboken, Jersey city, and like the summer months here for the residential markets were literally insane. Like New Jersey residential markets are what they are. And, and, you know, people are always going to live here because they work in New York city and Philly, but like it was just insane how many people were moving out of those, you know, Manhattan and all those areas out to here. And like the length of time that some of these houses were staying on the market was like three or four days. It was insane. Like how quick some of that stuff was moving. But to your point, I would still see those same listings on some of these Instagram or Facebook pages and all that. Um, which obviously doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but, um, but I, is there like, if you're trying to just put stuff up for, you know, like your personal self and, and all that kind of stuff, is there like a limit? Like, do I want to see a picture of your dog? Do I want to see all that kind of stuff? Is that, is there a benefit to doing stuff like that or, or no? So we're just going to stick with the realtors here because this is a, the, the best example that I can give. And yeah, sure. If you want to post a picture of your dog, how can you relate that back to what you do? Um, I think that it is fantastic showcasing some of your own lifestyle. Um, so I'll, I'll use me as an example. So again, I coast a lot of rooms here on clubhouse and, yeah. um, it's how can I, I, I typically share something about the room after we're done, like in my stories. So a couple of weeks ago, I went skiing with my six-year-old and I did a clubhouse room in the parking lot before we, before we hit the slopes. <laughs> now I got to fit, fit those clubhouses. In. Yeah. Right. And yeah. <laughs> And so I, I did a clubhouse and um, afterwards, after it was done, I showcased us in stories saying like, I took a picture of the two of us. Hey, you know, just hit this, hitting the slopes now after finishing a fantastic clubhouse room. And then I had some videos of my daughter skiing where I had like captions on about some of the topics that were discussed in the room. And so that was a way that I could still showcase the fact that I'm a mom. I love to ski. I'm still getting out there. This is a little bit of my personal life. But for people who are interested in what I do for pre professionally, they're still interested in seeing the story of like, this is what was covered. This is what we talked about. And it's just kind of, instead of having it be me just talking at you or just a, you know, a, a pretty graphic or a bunch of text, people were able to see a little bit of my personality in my life. So right. there's ways that you can incorporate that into your social media, um, but you do need to be strategic about it and have that. You're like, okay, well, why do we want to see a picture of your dog? Oh, is it because of the proximity to the dog park? You mm. know, so, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So um, one of the things, and I'm kind of going to take one of the talking points that you gave me before we started the show, but when I host rooms, so I host uh, a, a podcasting lunch hour Monday through Friday at 12 Eastern plug. There's the plug. Um, so, uh, but when I have people that come up and ask me questions and I don't necessarily consider myself an expert really on podcasting or social media or anything, I just like kind of know what I do and I know that it tends to work for me. Um, so I just kind of like the advice that I give, but I do get people on there that like ask questions and maybe they should be in your rooms asking you these questions that they're putting good in their, you know, feeling good content out, but they're not getting a lot of engagement on that good content. And I sometimes see that too. Like, I do think that because I've kind of, you know, I've saw, seen the growth of my Instagram page, I am trying to spend a lot more time on my Instagram page, putting out more reels, doing more IGTV stuff, just doing more stuff to try to keep, you know, like whatever algorithm exists, like working for me. Um, but sometimes you don't get engagement. So is there like the posting and ghosting? Talk to me about posting and ghosting. Cause I, I'm, I was really interested in that when I saw, when I saw you send that over. Yeah. So posting and ghosting, and that's one of the, the, the biggest mistakes I see, not just people in the home industry and not just podcasters, but just about everybody out there um, is they, they don't, 
they're posting ghosts. So they, they will push a post out and then they, they say, all right, hooray, pat myself on the back. I did a post. Now I'm going to go back to work. Um, but the biggest thing of social media is that it's, it's, it's called social media. You have to be social on it. So, um, I mean, I imagine that you're at a, a party and you walk into a room full of strangers and you start asking everybody a whole bunch of questions and then you run out the door while they're, they were trying to answer you. I mean, right. that's essentially you what stare, you're doing. Yeah. You just yeah. stare bl- back at them blankly. And then they're exactly. like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, it, I mean, it seems silly and, and that's what, that's what a lot of people are doing on social media. So they, they show up and, and start asking questions or posting and then they leave the party. They don't actually stick around and answer anybody. So someone takes the time out of their day to comment on your post, answer them. I mean, re- respond to them. Uh, I, every day I push out 90 comments on other people's posts that I find through hashtags. And that's the whole reason behind it is to be social on the platform. So I think that that's where, you know, you have to be social on the platform and the more social that you are, your followers are going to say like, oh, well, look at that. Katie went ahead and answered my comment. That's so cool. Thanks, Katie. I'm going to comment again. Or the fact that I'm commenting on their posts now, they'll appreciate it and then they'll want to reciprocate and comment on mine. So it really is one of the, the biggest mistakes I see is people put a post out there and expect it to go viral but you do need to spend some time on the platform. I'm not saying like hours, Uh, we'd all, nobody has time for that except for Clubhouse. (laughs) But but I mean, just spend some time in there liking and commenting on other people's feeds, uh, posts in the feed. And I, I promise you, you will see your your engagement rates go up. So you post 90 times a day on, comment 90 times a day on other people's stuff on Instagram? Yes. Is it like, so when you do those comments and I don't want to give you, I don't want you to give away trade secrets here, but like when you put these comments out there, are you just being like, awesome exclamation point? Or do you like actually put together like a thoughtful comment for 90, I guess 90 posts or 90, you know, whatever conversations that maybe you get into in those posts um, through the comments. So like, what is it? Um, so it's, it is a little bit of a trade secret, but you, you can, um, I, they are all custom for every okay. single post that I, that I do. Um, and I mean like, okay, so it's, it's, it's through a platform that Gary V, uh, Gary Vanderchuk has. And the, the, the idea behind it is that you, you give a dollar 80 a day. So you give 90 people your two cents. And um, that's, it's a very easy way that you can pick like 10 hashtags that are relevant to your industry and you can yep. go through and, and comment on it. It's all on the desktop. So commenting is a lot faster when you can type it than, you know, use two thumbs. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a fantastic way to, I mean, be social on it. And I, again, it's, it's one of the, the best ways that I can recommend to help your engagement go up um, is, is by using a platform like that. Right. Yeah. Like the one thing, and I know LinkedIn is like a totally different animal than Instagram and and all that, but like most of my listeners, clients, all that are on LinkedIn. Like that was where my show was born. That's where I spend most of my time marketing the show um, and myself and all that. Um, But like one of the things that I did just notice and like another marketing friend of mine told me about it. I mean, they told me that because I I was seeing more engagement on some of my posts because I was just like, Hey, what if I just started commenting back to some of these people that like comment on the post that I put up there? And next thing you know, like that adds another comment to my post, you know? So like you just keep adding comments and next thing you know, it's got instead of 10 people commenting on my post, now there's 20 comments because I've commented 10 more times on each of their thing. And that just helps drive that up, which I would assume yes. is correct, right? Yes. Does, yes. Is that similar and- across other platforms too? Yes. I mean, think about, okay, think about Facebook. How many times do you not even read the article that someone is sharing, but you're just there for the comments? Oh, all the time. Especially I now. Mean, Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh I mean, like, I can't remember the last time I actually like clicked the link to read an article. No. It, I'm just there for the comments. And, yeah. and uh, that is how a lot of people are nowadays. And so it, if you're able to comment and get that conversation going, you're going to see more people start showing up and commenting. Right. 
Is there a, um, you were talking about hashtags before and like, mm-hmm. literally this is me learning over the course of like a 45 minute talk with Katie Brinkley. Um, is there like a best practice in like number of hashtags to put on, let's just do Instagram because I think that that's relevant to the people that we're talking to, uh, mostly. So, um, is there like a best practice in number of hashtags? Because you see some people put like one and then other people have like, like a hundred in the post and then they have another comment with like another hundred. And it's like, how do you even think of all these hashtags? So you're allowed 30. Okay. So a hundred was an exaggeration, obviously. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I was just saying, so I don't know who is doing that. I mean, I'm just, but... I'm not sitting there counting. I'm just saying, but, it, but you've seen those, right? So they have like a ton of comments or a ton of hashtags in the actual post, then another comment with a, with a bunch more, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if there's a benefit to that or what. So 30 hashtags is the max that you can use on Instagram. And if Instagram's going to give you 30 ways for people to, connect with you and find you, I highly recommend taking those 30 ways to have people find you and connect with you. So that, you know, if it was 15 was the magic number for the algorithm or anything, Instagram would make it 15. The fact that they give you 30 hashtags to use, I strongly recommend that you find 30 hashtags to use because that's going to expand your reach and how people find you and and connect with you. Um, they are, Instagram is moving to more SEO in the caption um, for search there, but that's not there at the time of this, you know, episode, we are not there yet, but that is what they are in the works of until that comes out. I strongly recommend that you use 30 hashtags um, because that is how you are going to be found by new people. Okay. I'm going to have to up my hashtag game because I don't Now LinkedIn don't, is different. LinkedIn right. is different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean like, so what I do on Instagram is I have like in my notes on my iPhone, when I put up um, a post, I go into my notes, copy and paste the hashtags and then just paste them into the, into the post just so that it's like the same every time. So, but now I need You're to You're not going to like what I have to say. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what so do you got to say? You need to have like a few different versions of the hashtags that you're using, because if you do do that, um, Instagram sees it and they will not show your hashtags out to everybody. Oh. So, so I have, so I have 30 hashtags in my stuff and I have like 15 that I consistently use because they're extremely relevant to, to my industry. But then I swap out the, the second 15 and make it specific to exactly what's happening in that post. Okay. Um, and kind of like micro niche it down. So it, have you can have those 15 that you always use but then if you have 15 new ones that you're consistently putting in there um then you're really only having to think of 15 hashtags but uh those other 15 hashtags that your post is always going to be different so it will still be pushed out in the algorithm i gotcha all right so then maybe i just put together like a couple lists of 15 like a few different lists that are relevant to the stuff that i'm posting Yes. But I could still do something similar to what I'm doing now. I just need to get a little bit more sophisticated in how I, yeah, like break it up a little bit, break up the monotony of what my posts look like and what the caption or the uh, hashtags are. And there, yes. And there's a number of tools out there that are really good for this. The one that I recommend um, that is the best is called Flick and okay. it's a hashtag research tool. There's also another one called Daily Purposes. That's a great one. Um, that one is free. So if you want to check those out, um, those, they kind of give you an inspiration. So like, if you do like hashtag real estate, it'll give you like 30 different options for, for that. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right. I'm definitely going to check that out. Flick. All right. So uh, we're going to put a bow on this whole conversation. We're going to bring it back to our initial question, which is clubhouse. So we were talking about clubhouse at the very beginning and the people that have stayed with us for the entire episode are now here at the end. And we're going to talk about clubhouse again, but we're going to talk about it in the context of, uh, real estate and realtors. And, you know, maybe if you're helping a realtor put together social media, I think that there is a benefit. And I do know that there are realtors on clubhouse. I see them. I talk to them, all that kind of stuff. So, um, how do like, what is the way that realtors actually navigate clubhouse? Because to me, I look at some of these real estate rooms because I am in real estate. So I want to check some of those rooms out and it's either like commercial real estate. It's either, um, uh, like how to make a million bazillion dollars, you know, like flipping houses. Um, and then you get in there and there's like 1500 people in the room and you, you know, you'll never learn anything because they're all talking about whatever they're talking about. So is there like a best practice to like, if you're in the real estate industry, let's just say you're a realtor using clubhouse to actually, you know, benefit yourself. Yeah. So I think that it's very similar to, um, like Instagram, 
find those different rooms to go into. And one, you can network, you can network with a lot of other realtors and find, you know, maybe a mortgage broker in your area, title person in your area. Right. I mean, you can, you can find those different people, but I would recommend if I were a realtor to start opening up rooms based on where you are. So like a Denver, like a welcome to Denver room would be yeah. great if you're a realtor, you know, that way you can have people that live in Denver. You could have owners of, you know, of, of Denver businesses in your room and just kind of use it as a networking tool. So that way you can just say, yeah, and I, I am a realtor in this area. So that's where try and focus on, op- I would either use it for networking with other real- realtors or for two networking with other people in your area so that you can just get your name out there and, and be that go-to person that, yeah, sure that you guys might have met on Clubhouse, but once, you know, the world opens up again, you could really meet for coffee and, you yeah. know, start doing networking and, and stuff like that in person. So I, I think that that is the best way that to uh, use Clubhouse is to find other people in your industry and learn from them and then try and get to know your neighbor. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, mean, I think that's a great idea, especially like, like if I were to put together like a New Jersey room or something, I know plenty of people from New Jersey on there, there might not be like directly specific to real estate or directly specific to title insurance or whatever, but the more people, you know, in your general locale, then the better, obviously. Exactly. And then also to make sure just because this was a mistake that I made that I actually had, like you actually have an Instagram that people can go to and be like, Oh, Hey, like this looks cool. I want to check it out. You know? Cause I did not have, I used to have now this I, I'm just getting off topic, but like my and my Instagram was initially just like these the same videos, like not the same video, but like the same look, right? So it was just like just like lines and lines and lines of just the same like basic video, like same format, same caption, same whatever. Um, but now, I mean, it looks better, I think. So just make sure that you have that stuff going on too, for sure. Yeah, it, it's one of those things where you can you can change up your you do need to. Have, I, 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 I feel like a lot of people are, well, because I feel like a lot of people are like, God, I have to learn in clubhouse and you now I have to actually like pay attention to my Instagram. Like I'm a LinkedIn person yeah. and I, I hate trying to tell people that they should be on clubhouse and then have them be like, well, now I have to do Instagram too. So in other words, I have to do two social media platforms and really you don't, you don't need to. I think that if you are a LinkedIn person, um, set up your Instagram have nine photos for your grid that showcase exactly who you, who you are, what you do, who you serve in those nine photos and have a stellar Instagram bio and just use that as almost like a little website. And the second that someone comes over from clubhouse, they can be like, Oh, okay. This is the same person. I'm going to DM them. And then from there, you can then take them over to your LinkedIn. You can take them to a, a zoom call or whatever. But I think that don't, don't try and make things harder than you need to. Um, and you can still kind of just set up your Instagram as like a gallery. Uh, and then when you're ready to take it on, you right. can implement a strategy for it. Yeah. That's a great, idea. That's, I mean, that's a great point just because like, I, I think that it does get overwhelming at times because like, I mean, I have time I'm working from home. There's not a lot going on, but when like the world all opens back up again, I can actually go out and do stuff and actually like go to my meetings. Um, you know, that's going to cut into the time that I have now. Um, so that's, that's a great idea just to kind of like set up like a baseline, you know, and then kind of like just use that because like, that's the one thing, the only thing that I think that was uh, a friend of mine was also on clubhouse and we're getting close to the end of the hour. So I promise I'm gonna wrap it up soon. Um, he was on clubhouse and he like didn't have an Instagram or a Twitter. And it was just like, I'm just going to put my link to my Instagram in my bio and hopefully people will go there. I'm like, well, they can't click it. You know, like, so you're, you're basically like trying to get somebody to read your whole bio, find the LinkedIn link, get off a of clubhouse, open up LinkedIn, then go there. But that, you know, so I was like, just set up an Instagram. Like you don't have to post a ton, just, you know, so that somebody can actually like go there and message you. So they know that it's actually a real person, like you said, that, that they're talking to. So, um, exactly. yeah. All right. So we're going to move this into our closing segment, which we call under the spotlight. So the spotlighters, as I like to call the morning spotlight listeners, uh, have been listening to Katie Brinkley and Mike Ham talk for the last, I don't know, 48, 50 minutes, whatever it's been. Uh, I didn't think we were going to go this long, but here we are. That's why I said at the outset, you know, just get ready because you never know where we're going to go with these conversations. But, um, 
they've got a lot of value. I think, I mean, I've gotten a lot of value for stuff that I can do better on my social media stuff, but uh, what's like one thing you want the listeners of this show, the spotlighters to walk away from this episode with. I think that I kind of touched on it with this last, this last sentence that I said about the Instagram and um, you know, don't try and be on every single social media channel known to mankind. Um, Spend your time attention and energy you know, focusing in on the channels where your audience is hanging out. If your audience is linked is LinkedIn professionals, spend time on LinkedIn. You know, if you, you don't need to be on every single social media platform known to mankind. And I think that once you decide to just go all in on the one that makes the most sense for you and your business, then you can start adding in additional social media platforms. Um, go do one fantastic and be amazing at it and grow on there. And then if you have the time and the capabilities to move on to another social media platform, start working that in um, because otherwise it's, it's going to be overwhelming and you're going to get frustrated because you're not seeing a ton of results. And then you're going to get, you're, then you're going to stop. And that's, yeah. and then that that's completely defeats the purpose. So um, it can be hard to be on every single social media channel. So focus where your audience is and be amazing at it and um, grow your, your, your followers there. Right. Awesome. All right. So this has been absolutely off the charts. So just give us a quick rundown and all the links and, you know, different, uh, you know, handles and all that kind of stuff I'll put in the show notes um, so that people can actually go find you. But like, if somebody wanted to touch base with you, what is the best way to do that? Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with me um, right now, my, my Instagram DM is, is really, is a really great way to do it. Um, especially if you're coming from clubhouse um, or you can reach with me, uh, Katie at katiebrinkley.com. Um, and if you want to see all the rooms I host on clubhouse, that's katiebrinkley.club. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's how I, Katie and I first started talking, obviously it was clubhouse, but then it was Instagram DM. So I can attest to the fact that she is active in her DM. So, um, awesome. And make sure that if you are on clubhouse, you go check out Katie's rooms. Cause I've been in a couple of them. They're always awesome. And she always gives a lot of value there. So, uh, for anybody that's looking to get in touch with the show, uh, I will put my content information, just like always the morning spotlight.com, uh, or email me at the morning spotlight at gmail.com. I will be sure to get back to you as soon as I can, but Katie, again, thank you so much. This was so awesome. I got a lot from it. So I'm sure the listeners got a lot from it. So thank you so much for coming on with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely a lot of fun. And everybody else, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. to tell you about fat brother soap you know way back in the day and i'm talking caveman days humans used to bathe under roaring waterfalls under the clear blue sky now many of us are stuck in a tiny shower in an overcrowded city and the guys over at fat brother soap have had about enough carefully selected by the fat brother himself these soaps contain all natural ingredients like sunflower coconut lemon and more remember it is never too late to leave boring mediocre body washes that are filled with chemicals behind and get back in touch with your inner caveman Go to fatbrothersoap.com to learn more and join the Fat Brother family. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Just a reminder that any views expressed in the morning spotlight are the views of the speaker and should not be construed to be the views of any other person, any employer, or any organization. Thank you. We'll see you next week.